0: I'm glad that you're here this morning. We're gonna begin, as I said earlier, a series today called For Him. And I want us to begin by looking at a passage of Scripture that we find in Mark, and it's this passage of Scripture about this guy called the rich young ruler. And it starts in Mark chapter ten, verse seventeen. And we find this interaction that takes place. It says this in verse. 17. Which I'm in the wrong section here. Give me just a second. Mark 10 17. It says, And he, as he was setting out on his journey, he's talking about Jesus. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, I said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. I've done all that stuff. I've done all the, the quote, right things. Jesus says to him, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And, And I think that's key, by the way. Looking at him with love, okay, love that comes from Jesus, and he says, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Done all this other great stuff, done a lot of great things that you grew up in church learning kind of the right things to do, the wrong things to stay away from, but you've missing, you're missing one thing. Sell everything you have, give it away, and come follow me. And so what's his reaction to this? His reaction is this. He says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Sorrow. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, "'Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. "'It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle "'than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God.'" So they're thinking, how in the world then is this? What hope is there, right? "'And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, "'Then who can be saved?' "'And Jesus looked at them and said, "'With man it's impossible.'" But not with God, for all things are possible with God. all things are possible with God. One of the things that that's key about this story is we've got these lists of things sometimes as we seek to follow Jesus that we know we're doing right. We've done these things like the rich young ruler since we were a child, and then we asked Jesus, said, Jesus, what am I missing? What do, what do I need to do to, to have eternal life? And this eternal life is not just, we're not just talking about going to heaven. We're talking about experiencing what it truly means to live for Jesus, what it truly means to have a, a joyful and, and amazing life that he wants us to have. And Jesus always has this ability of kind of pointing out that one thing, that one thing that... We're just not willing to deal with. That one thing that we're just not willing to give up. And for this guy, it was his money. He had lots of it. That's why he's called the rich young ruler. What do I got to do? Jesus says, all right, well, you're just missing one thing. You've got to get rid of this. It wasn't that Jesus is calling all Christians to sell everything they have and give it away. That wasn't the point. The point was, for this guy, this was the one thing that was in his life that had to be dealt with if Jesus was going to be number one. Because if you're going to follow Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus is pretty intense. He says that he wants to be first, that it needs to be all about him. And Jesus says to this guy, if you get rid of all your treasures, believe it or not, you're going to find some other treasures that are much more amazing. And those are the treasures in heaven. Those are the treasures that we find with God. And see, if this rich young ruler had truly grasped that, he would have easily said, yes, take it all because I want this. But sometimes we don't see that. We don't Have that perspective, and and we've heard some people use this illustration before where we have people that are choosing peanut butter and jelly over steak, right? That's a good illustration if you like steak, by the way. People are choosing to keep their riches rather than to give them away for a greater thing. Jesus says, come and follow me, and you will have treasure in heaven. Problem is, is that holding on to those riches, holding on to that one thing, whatever it might be in your life, seems more important. Seems like it becomes really, in that case, all about us rather than for Him. Because Jesus, this is how exclusive He is with this. There's a, there's a passage in Matthew chapter 16 that I want us to look at as well. Matthew 16, verse 24, has something interesting to say. This is repeated in Luke 9, 23, but in Matthew 16, 24, it says Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he he says to him, if anyone would come after me, if anyone's going to follow me for our purposes, if anyone's going to be a believer in Christ, a Christian, right? If anyone's going to do that, this is what he says. He told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we've shared this before, but of course, what happens on a cross? You can actually talk here, it's okay. You're crucified, you die. You, wait, who dies? In this case, yeah, you. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, It says, daily, and follow me. Dying to ourself, it's one thing to think about that intellectually. It's a whole other thing to actually do it. Jesus, of course, knew what he was talking about. For one, he was God, but he also later on walked that whole path and gave up his very life for us, which is just inconceivable. The creator of everything willingly came down, became like one of us, and died for us. That's just unfathomable. But he says, if you're going to follow me, the very least then you can do is deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And here's, what he, I'm so glad that he clarifies this. It goes on and he says this in verse, in the rest of the verse, in verse 25, where he says this, for whoever would save his life, Will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Something really, really interesting about that, isn't there? If you try to save your life, if you try to make it about you, if you try to go after those riches, if you try to do things yourself, what you actually end up doing is making things worse. You ever tried to do something yourself that you clearly knew that you shouldn't be doing? Yeah. <laughs> right? And it got worse and got out bad, okay? Jesus says, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But here's the crazy thing. If you lose your life or you give up your life for my sake, then you'll find it. If you give up your life for my sake, then you'll find it. But instead, what we often find is is we all, in, in different ways, place ourselves above the Lord. We don't want to admit that out loud, especially in church, you know, talking to each other. But so many ways we elevate our lives and what we have going on and what we want to do above the Lord. Because if we think that if we take the time that we have and we do the things that we think we like, we put those first and we invest money behind it and time behind it and all this other kind of stuff, that we'll have a happy and a joyful life. It's different things for different people. Everybody has different hobbies, different things they love to do, different, you know. And we will literally take that time and we will invest it into those things, thinking that we know best how to have joy, how to have a full life. And the things of the Lord, even if they're, they might be down here, they might be even second place, we are missing out because of that. We're not truly experiencing the life that God wants us to have. If we would just truly put Him first, we would experience amazing life. And we, we, we bump into this all the time where we, we go down this road doing things our way until we run into trouble. And it's when we run into trouble that we decide to, to okay, put God back in His place. Everything begins to work again. Just look up again, you know. And then we get good for a while, and then we shove this other thing back up. Why do we do that? You see, life is truly, it's truly all about Him. In Matthew chapter 6, there's this interesting passage that that Jesus shares about making sure that our treasure is in the right place. And it comes from from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Talking again about treasures, he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The focus on gaining things, doing things that actually don't last for eternity, right? How much time do we invest in things is a good question that don't actually last. That might get passed on to our children, Might get handed down that way. But eventually they they fall apart. Things itself, um, projects, whatever it is. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay? Where it's going to last for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. What's your treasure? You know, we always, it's, we got to get beyond just the money thing because there's so many other things, okay? Where your treasure is, there's your heart. I've got to finally watch, uh, I love the series of Pirates of the Caribbean. Anybody else like Pirates? Yo, yo, and I just go back to Disney World and I get on that boat and, you know. I finally got to watch the last one that was made, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Anybody seen this? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Yeah, it's a good one. I I enjoyed it. Just finished watching it the other day. And what's really cool about it is if, does anybody don't want me to share a spoiler? Uh, Well, you're going to have to deal with it, Dennis. Just... Go on the back. Go la, 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 Okay. <laughs> um, in this movie, how many of y'all remember Barbosa, the pirate Barbosa? He's the guy with the peg leg, right? You know? And what's cool is at the end, there's this scene at the end, if you remember this. If you haven't, I don't think it'll completely spoil it for you. But at the end, he's clutching on to this girl who actually happens to be his daughter. Yes, right? While well, even the children are screaming from the room, no, it's clutching, on, clutching on to his daughter. I'm trying to remember the exact conversation that takes place, but basically his daughter meant more than, than anything to him. And for a pirate, of course, what's, what's the thing that pirates treasure most? I just gave it away in, in saying that. They're treasure, okay? They're treasure. Two pirates in the movie are hanging upside down next to each other, and they're like, hey, you know, in case we die and one of us lives, we should tell each other where the other's treasure is. And the guy's like, all right, well, mine's buried between two crossed palm trees under this unmarked grave. And the other guy's like, I don't have any treasure. And so, was, you know, but their whole, their whole desire is for this treasure, you know? That's what pirates live for is to get more booty, more treasure is what... Is, the two words are synonymous okay more treasure as it turned out though his daughter in the movie is actually his treasure that was his treasure it was greater than all these other things but the point here is this is that the treasure that jesus is talking about is not just gold it's not just things and for captain barbosa it was his daughter what is your treasure what's your focus what is it that, that, you, that you cling to? Because he goes on to say the eye is the lamp of the body. And it's kind of strange when you first read this until you, you take some time to really think through it. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And you're reading anything, and you're thinking, what in the world is he talking about? The eyes are the lamp of the body. The thing about the eyes is that what Jesus is talking about here is your focus. He just previously finished talking about where your heart is, where your treasure is. And he says, hey, think about the eyes. What is your focus on the eyes of the lamp of the body. Your body is going to be full of light or it's going to be full of darkness, depending on whether your eyes are good or bad. In other words, whether your focus is on Him or on other things. But if your focus is on Him, Jesus says that your whole body will be full of light. Your whole body will be headed in the right direction because He says this. This is how you know He's talking about that. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In this case, it says you cannot serve God and money. But you can fill anything into that place. You can't serve God and what is that thing that you want to elevate, that you struggle to put in the place of God. You can't serve God and something. It's not God and this, God and that. It's God alone. Leave everything, deny everything, and follow me. And here's, here's the reason why, because what we seem to forget so many times is that life is not about us. I mean, we get it honest, right? When we started off as babies, we are crying because it's all about us. You know, feed me, change me, hold me, whatever. It's me, 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 me. We get this impression somehow by, by the parents that come running, right? I mean, you've got to take care of your children, don't get me wrong, that it is about us. And we kind of learned that from the start. It's about me and what I want. It just doesn't work, though. Especially in marriage, you think about it. If Brad and Beth both at the same time are like, it's about me, no, it's about me, what does that do? It just tears things apart. But if they both say it's about him, you know, you ever seen the old diagram of the triangle? You know, God at the top husband and wife, the more they focus on him, the closer they get to him, what? The closer they get to each other. But if it's on, if it's about Beth and it's about Brad and they keep on that focus, the triangle goes in reverse, doesn't it? And They get further and further and further away. Amazing how that works because God has to be number one. Let's look at a verse in Colossians there's a passage in Colossians that that talks about this very thing. If you're trying to find it in your Bibles General Electric Power Company. Galatians, do you remember this? Oh my. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's, those, Four powerful books, too, honestly. I got some, some friends here, by the way, from like 20 years ago. Like when I was like, I wasn't even graduated from Bible college, so this is just blowing me away. I had hair. Back when I had hair. And yeah, back when I had friends. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate that. Yeah, I thought you were mine, but now I know the truth. So, let's look at Colossians. This is a reminder when we read this passage that life really is not about us. It's just not. We get so distracted with our own lives and the things we have going on and the ways that we spend our time that we forget what life is really all about. We distract ourselves with things and with stuff and with activities. And I'm not saying those things are evil, you know. I enjoy, to play. I enjoy golfing. I enjoy, let's be honest, I enjoy cigars, okay, I enjoy time with friends, I I enjoy music, I enjoy all these kinds of things, I enjoy shopping and spending money. I just do, wish I had more of it, you know? But That's just how life is, okay? But those things are not life. They're not. God himself is life. In Colossians 1.15, this is what it says. It says that he is the image. This is referring to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. We couldn't see. We didn't know what he looked like. And Jesus comes. He's the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. This is what he's like. It says he was the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He's the one that made everything. Visible, the things we see, and the invisible. Dennis and I have been talking recently about some fun stuff that he, he loves science. He wants to be a chemical engineer. I've mentioned this before. But in, in talking about science with him, I, I bumped into Diane's brother a couple of weeks ago. and We ended up talking about physics but talking about quantum physics. Have I already shared this story with you all? I haven't, good. Quantum physics is the study of the things, really, that you can't see, Okay, at least with the naked eye. It's the things that are just really, really tiny and small. And what's funny to me is that science comes across so many times as very boastful and very proud and very, we've got this figured out, and there is no God. You know, all we see is what we see, and it's about us, not Him. I'm not saying all science is this way. There's many, many aspects of science, many believers in science, which is where it originally started. Science was an aspect of the church, studying God in, in, in nature, okay? But there's this cool story that I heard recently, not story, but thing that takes place in quantum physics, in the study of these tiny little things. I'm going to do my best to describe this to you. But there's an ex- experiment that took place that is just, has scientists baffled. They can't figure it out. They can't understand it. Now, they've created some ways to try to explain it and theorize things and try to make it minimized. You ever take something so big and try to, and, and try to make it small? It's like looking up at the stars and then, and then trying to map them out on a piece of paper. You look at a piece of paper. It's just not as majestic, is it? You can't minimize the stars. You can't minimize the universe. And so scientists, all right, here's the, let me just get to the point. There's this study. It's called the two-slit experiment, okay? Let's use this screen back here as an example. The screen back here, and if you want to just take that passage off of there, Justin, it will be helpful. Yeah, leave the him up there. This is perfect. So back here on the screen, there is a screen, there's a wall. In front of it, we're going to use this, and there's this little area right here, and imagine there's one slit right here, and through that one slit, if you were to, for example, if you had a paint gun, you started going through that, shooting paintballs at it, some would go through the slit, some would miss and hit the hit the music stand there, right? But the ones that would go through, if there was just the slit of a straight line, what would you see in the back screen? In the back screen, for the paintballs that made it through the slit, you would see one thin line, right, where the paintballs made it through. You're like, where is he going with this? Alright, so they did that on a quantum level with electrons, and they did it, and they shot them through, and they got what they expected. The weird thing happened, however, when they had two slits. They cut a slit down here and a slit down here, two side by side, and you would think, of course, you keep firing through it. Imagine paintballs is the best way. On the back of the screen, you would expect two lines to show up, Right? Are you following me? Kind of like a, a pattern if you were trying to, you know, if you're back and doing crafts, maybe in Sunday school or, in, you know, you have a piece of paper with two slits cut out. You put paint through it, lift it up. What do you have? Two slits, same, same basic thing. We're just shooting a paintball gun here. In this case, shooting electrons. So what they would have expected then when they did this was two lines. Instead of two lines, what happened was is there was like five or six and to, I don't want to get too complicated, but it, it was weird. It was not what they expected. They acted kind of like waves, if water was to come. And they would kind of—it's called a, a cancellation pattern. It doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening? And they even slowed it down. They thought maybe the paintballs, to use my earlier illustration, are bouncing off each other, and some are going over here, and some are going over there. You know, so they wanted to slow it down, and they would just shoot one at a time, one electron at a time. Same thing happened, even though it was going directly through those lines, those slits. This makes no sense. One slit, perfect, two slits, four or five lines, a cancellation pattern. So here's here's where it gets fun. This is where it gets weird. So what they did was they decided, all right, well, we're going to have to be really scientific and figure this out. We're going to put away a camera, some kind of measurement device on the side over here, right? Let's pretend this is our camera. We're going to set this up over here so we can see what's actually happening as it comes through the slits. So like, all right, camera's on, everyone's ready fire the electrons or paintballs if you will fire them through and guess what they get two lines what all right take the camera away try it again fire the electrons five lines are the electrons shy All electrons are is this very very small piece of matter. They're they're stuff. They don't have intelligence. They don't have consciousness. They don't say, hey, you go this way and I'll go that way. Put the camera back, fire them through, two lines. What in the world? So it's kind of like that, you know, the horror movie. You ever seen those horror movies where it's like, all right, there's nothing there. You look, there's nothing there, and then you're back this way, and then there, there is something behind you, you know, it's like, what's, what's, what's going on here? So they even went one step further, okay? And so they put the, the camera back, and they turned the camera on, but they didn't hit record. It was just on. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got your video camera, and you're ready to, to take a video of, of y'all's faces right now, but I didn't hit record. It's just on. Cameras on. I thought maybe that we got to take away every possibility of this. The camera's on, but nothing's being recorded. We're not watching it, but we're gonna step out of the room. The camera's on. Five lines. They go and they hit record. Two lines. See what's going on here? Scientists cannot figure it out on this level this quantum level, something really freaky is going on just by simply, I'm looking, I'm not looking, I'm looking, I'm not looking. It's like I just I feel God just laughing, saying, you think you got it all figured out, don't you? This is an area I don't want you to know. And these scientists are just racking their brain trying to make some kind of understanding of this. There's all kinds of stuff you can read. If you look up the two-slit experiment, you can watch all kinds of videos on, on YouTube, and it's just crazy. But here's the thing. God, he's the one who made it. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. The things we see, the things we don't see. Life is not about all our activities, all the things we buy, all the things we fill our lives with. It's about him. And if it's about Him, here's the thing. He needs to be number one. Life is for Him because look at the, what the rest of this says. Things on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him. And here's the thing. For Him. They were created for Him. We were created for him that's what we were made for we are made for him not for us we are made for him and and when we get that backwards and when we get that turned around life starts to fall apart life doesn't make sense anymore when it's not about him and it becomes about us See, we've got verses of Scripture that that should remind us in in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, for example, if you would throw that up, Justin, you know, it was talking about not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not, Not just your mind, by the way. There's a big difference between knowing the right stuff, knowing all those things, and actually trusting. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who? God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Don't acknowledge your own heart. And all, And Will this make me happy? I got some extra spending money this week. Well, what should I do with it? How, how will I really be happy? Maybe if I go here, if I spend it there, I'll be disappointed. And then we think, well, if I make myself happy with this money by buying this or buying that. The, the It's not our understanding. It's His. why, Why have such a hard time figuring out that God, the one who made us, the one who knit us together, as it says in the Bible, who caused all those crazy electrons to do what He wants them to do, whether scientists are watching or not, that He's the one that knows how to make life right, how to make it happy, how to make things make sense. It's His understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your paths. It doesn't say in some of your ways, does it? It says in what? Sorry, this is what preachers do. They pull out these things like that, you know. Not some of your ways, all of your ways. See, what we do with our lives sometimes is we kind of make it like a pie, right? Like a pizza pie. Let's let's, Let's use pizza, okay? There's a slice here for work. It's an awful big slice. We wish it would be smaller, you know. There's a slice here for family. There's a slice here for, for hobbies. There's a, there's a slice here for, you know, whatever. And then, and then there's another slice for God, right, for church, for, for, for religion, you know, whatever you want to, you know. But that's, that's not what God's talking about. See, so what really is, is the thing is that God is the whole pie. He's the whole pie. It's all about Him. He's not a slice. He's not a section of your life. He's not a section of your heart. He's not just meant for Sundays and, you know, for some churches, Wednesday nights, and whenever the church gathers, there's a slice. I'll take a piece. I'll take it. It's everything. In all your ways acknowledge him. Throw that back up there, Justin. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I want to read one more passage to you, and it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is where we get that passage of scripture that says that the old life is gone and the new life has come. But before it says that, it talks about Jesus and it says, and He died for all. He died for us so that we could have a relationship with Him. Our sins would be forgiven. The sins were taken away for a reason. So that we would have a relationship with God. He wants to be close to us. In the book of Revelation, it talks about him knocking on the door of, of, of hearts and, and coming in and eating and this, there's this aspect of relationship. That's what he wants. And so many times we, we ignore the relationship and we just do stuff. We fill life with stuff. It says, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We no longer live for ourselves, but for Him. And I wonder this morning, what what does that really mean for you? What does it look like to no longer live for yourself, but to live for Him? Let's see, it's really hard to to paint that picture from the pulpit, so to speak, because it looks different for all of you. There's some things that, that need to change in your life for your life to truly be about Him and not yourself. We sort of get that in different ways. We, we understand as parents, you know, we, we, we take a back seat for our kids many times, right? You know what that's like, to put, them, put, to put them first. But even above our kids and above all these things, God is number one. Our lives should be about Him. What does that look like? What things would change if you were serious about that when you walked out the door? You know, we, I want to continue to encourage you. Last week or the week before, we, we gave out the read through the New Testament in a year. Some of you are going gangbusters and doing the whole Bible, which is great, which is cool. And, if, and, if, and, if, and this sounds legalistic, but I don't care, okay? If Jesus is number one, that's going to be easy to do. You're going to find time. You're going to find place because he's number one. I might, again, it might sound legalistic, but if, it's not, if, if you're not having that time, he's not number one. And you want, and you want to argue with yourself, not me. And you say, well, I've got a job to do. I've got work. I've got all these things. You don't understand how busy I am. Who cares? All, here's the real question that's uncomfortable. Does that stuff matter? What does matter? Why do we place importance on things that don't matter? Isn't that kind of a, a, another definition for insanity? But if it does matter, maybe, maybe we don't really believe that it matters. Maybe we believe these other things matter more, if we're honest. For the, for the first time in my life, I would, I would say that, I, that Diane and I are just in a real awesome place when it comes to this very thing, when it comes to devotional time. There's more to living for the Lord than just reading your Bible and praying, okay? Because you actually have to get up from the couch or the chair, whatever you do it, and go live it out. The things you say, the things you do, that's the real hard part, right? But that time with the Lord, throughout my life, it's been up and it's been down. It's been up and it's been down, and you know, good days, bad days. But, but Diane and I, in the mornings, for three solid months prior to the flip of the year, have been meeting and, and, and having a solid hour, unrushed with the Lord together. And it's not like we're reading the Bible to each other. That, that's great. You can do that if you want. But we are reading together at the same time, which is really cool because it brings up conversations. I didn't realize that so-and-so said this, and this happened in Scripture. And, and, and it's, we've kind of held each other accountable. What a great way for husbands and wives to, to do that, if you're married, to hold each other accountable. And it may not be as easy for you as getting up earlier, which has been tough for me because I, I like sleep. Anybody like sleep? Let's be honest, yeah. And that's like, Beth, uh, standing up, I love it, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, it's actually sometimes this kind of stuff feels like a chore, right? Like it's something to be checked off. But if you allow yourself true time to not be rushed, true time to not feel like, oh, i got to do this, i got to do that, Where you can just be with God, you begin to understand the passages that Jesus said this morning. That that you find your treasure in Him. You don't want to miss that time because you love it, you enjoy it, you you have a hunger, you have a desire for it. When's the last time that you had a hunger for it? You had a desire for the Lord. It wasn't out of obligation. You know, it's 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 similar to a relationship, you know. It's like when you're first dating someone, you just it's all you can think about. You know. You don't care about anything else. You know, there's all kinds of stuff I can do, but if I could just be with Diane, if I could just be with my wife, you know, if I could just you don't care about other stuff, right? You know you ever been in that place? You remember with Jeremy? I saw you two a long time ago. And no one could pull you apart with a pry bar. We have to stay in that place or get back to that place with the Lord. In Revelation, it talks about the church of Laodicea, and it says you know, don't forget your first love. You have to fall in love with Him again. But you have to create that space. You have to have, to be cheesy here, you've got to have some dates, Okay? and a regular date, if you will. You need some legit time. I bring that up, and I've been talking about that a lot, and Diane has too, because it's got to start somewhere, right? If he is truly number one, I believe that this is, this is one main foundational area this year that our church has got to hit hard. Because if, if that can happen, if that kind of change takes place in our life, we grow stronger. And the more in love with Jesus you are, when, he, when He's truly at the top, everything truly fits. Because the fruit of the Spirit, we've talked about this before, the things that come out when you're in that place are the things we really want, the things in life that really make us happy. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit's there if He's strong in our life, is what? It's love. It's joy. It's peace. Whew, yeah who wants peace? I pray for that constantly. Love, joy, peace, patience. Who needs it? You're like, I need it right now because I'm hungry. I wish you'd shut up. You can laugh at that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, All right. Anybody need some kindness? I need it when I'm driving every day, every day. I'm from New York originally. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, right? And we're talking about faithfulness in relationships, talking about faithfulness with people, talking about faithfulness to the diet, talking about faithfulness in so many different ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness. That's just general goodness, right? Fits everything. Gentleness. Gentleness is a cool word. If you, if, you had, if you were a gentle person, what does that look like, right? The way you deal with people, the way you deal with your spouse, your children, the people in traffic, people you work with. And then here's, here's a biggie, self-control. Self-control. That fills in a lot of the gaps, doesn't it? things we say, the things we do, you know, the biting of the tongue, you know, it kind of comes along with patience and all those things together. But those kinds of things, imagine those things in your life, strongly in your life, how happy you would be, full of joy, peace, all those things. To have that, to walk around with that, that's, that's incredible. You can't get those things from going shopping. You can for a little bit. You have peace while you're there, and you're walking around, and you're feeling good, and then you walk back into work. Maybe you enjoy work, and I'm trying to tear that down, okay? But there's that person, there's that thing, there's that issue, there's that problem. That stuff doesn't last. The only lasting thing is from the Lord. It's the fruit of His Spirit. How do you get it? You've got to be with Him. You ever notice the more time you spend around people, you begin to talk like them? You know, you begin to think like them. Sometimes that's a great thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. But with the Lord, it's a really good thing. Let's really, really think through that. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, life is not about us. It's all about you. And the crazy thing that we realize is that if we forget about us and we focus on you, that All of a sudden, we're so happy, so joyful, so peaceful, so fulfilled. Lord, help us to lose our life so that we can save it. Help our focus, our eyes to be good, our focus to be on you so that we're full of life, full of light, full of peace, and, Lord, so that we can be used to make a difference. Lord, thank you for this morning together. Thank you most of all for your presence. Oh Lord, though we cannot see you with our eyes or we feel you with our spirit, we know that you're among us. Lord, let us, let us truly leave this place, Lord, and being willing to listen to you and to follow you, not out of obligation, not out of obligation, but out of love. Because it's for you. This life is yours. Lord, may we say that in truth from the heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.